You're listening to Satellite Sisters Talk TV. This is our weekly recap of the CBS drama, Madam Secretary. I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California. I'm with my sister, Julie Dolan in Dallas, Texas. And Julie, this episode called The Unnamed, the 15th episode of the fourth season, very serious episode. There, there's no two ways around it, Leon. This they uh, they tackled a very serious issue. I think we have to give them a lot of credit uh, for you know for talking about a current. This is a rip from the headlines kind of um, situation of the treatment of the Rohingya Muslim minority in Ma- Myanmar. You know, and that now up to a million of these refugees have fled into the neighboring country of Bangladesh. So it is you know a serious. I mean, it's genocide, Leanne. Yeah. So it's very, I, I mean, there are very few, I can't think of any other TV drama that has tried to handle, you know, genocide in real time on, you know, on a network television show. Right. And clearly it's a, a cause very uh, close to UNICEF ambassador Taya Leone's heart because there was a, you know, a message at the end. So obviously... She's very well informed on world issues. She's a UNICEF ambassador. I think her father was an actual ambassador. Yes. Yeah, probably, yeah, yeah. wasn't he? So uh, anyway, I thought they did an amazing job with this because this is a pretty hard thing to understand. And there was that one expository scene where they actually explained, like, why is it called Burma? Why is it called Myanmar? Who are the Rohingya? You know, why are there yeah. ethnic di- difficulties? Like, in about 10 lines, that was some brilliant writing. So we're going to break it down story by story. We had three stories. Um, the first one was Conrad's backstory. Oh. Yes. I okay. mean, again, another yeah. super serious topic yeah. about mental illness, uh, mental illness in his family. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. And, you know, it was great. And it was very t- there were some a number of touching scenes associated with that land but there were there were but it was serious uh, some touching scenes and some truly bad hair uh, associated with okay, that okay we're going to talk about that okay. too <laughs> okay the second story was just one i think we could relate to most of all just a lifetime of sibling resentment <laughs> <laughs> that thank goodness for that that I was know. just Excellent. Yeah. Was Henry, on point. Every family with multiple children has that. You resent your brother or sister for something in their childhood or in the past that probably didn't happen at all. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. so we had right. that. And then we had this rip from the headline story about Myanmar and the treatment of the Rohingya that's obviously based on um, what's happening now in real time. And then, of course, we had Jay's child's care issue. Julie, that is the one thing that made me laugh. I mean... <laughs> Right. What, what was it? He couldn't figure out how to unstrap that child he keeps in a stroller in the stroller. I understand that, Jay. Those Swedish strollers are very tricky. They're tricky. I, yeah. I almost had to use a knife, Jay, to cut my granddaughter out of it. But <laughs> I like the but, fact I appreciated the fact that it was the man with the child care issue. Great. Yes, Good story. And yes. it just made me laugh because we're always joking about their invisible children and where is Chloe. And he missed this entire giant world event because of child care. <laughs> so, I mean, think about that. Think about that. All right. So let, let's get straight into the story about Myanmar slash Burma. It's based on what's really happening there. Uh, the, the, the longtime, you know, political prisoner, uh, Aung San Suu Kyi is now the president of the country. And this is 
what she's this is what's happening. She is allowing this to happen, even though she is a Nobel Peace Prize winner, and she right. has been called out by her fellow Nobel Peace Prize winners like Malala, like, hey, Aung San Suu Kyi, what's happening here? So in this fictional version, we have uh, the newly elected Burmese leader coming to town. He was under house arrest for 10 years, but now he's been elected president. And he's he's hot. He's President Dreamboat, isn't he? Right, right. right. I mean, he's the rock star, very similar to Aung San Suu Kyi, who yeah. enjoys worldwide popularity and was under house arrest for many years. Uh, yes. So he's a rock star. He comes and he quotes to Tocqueville. You know, he just, he does everything right. He's smooth. He's, you know, he's charismatic. Um, and everyone, in the State Department, certainly on the seventh floor, has a, has a small crush on him, right? Yes, and we all know now everyone seems to go both ways. So men, women, they all have a crush on him. I mean, cross the board. Right. Cross right. the board. Okay, so, but what we, we learn very quickly is that he's harboring a dirty little secret. He left the country to receive this what is it? The presidential it's a, it's a presidential or... freedom uh, a medal of freedom. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And that the, President Dalton, who is supposed to come back from uh, his re- recuperation from brain surgery, is, it sounds like a soap opera, doesn't yeah, it? It does. It does. Uh, he's supposed to award the medal um, to the new pre- new president, Ken. So. But we have breaking news. Cat comes in that the Rohingya are flooding across the border into Bangladesh. Hundreds of thousands of them can't really determine at this point. What is it? Is it a government crackdown? Is it just repatriation? What's happening? And President Kin, that's President Dreamboat's name. He's he's silent. He's pretty much silent on this. Sort of shrugs his shoulders like, well, we just, you know, we have a history of ethnic tension. This happens. You know, we don't really know why or what's going on there. And right. And so I know the uh, like the Burmese now Myanmar, gov- Myanmar government, they they insist that this Rohingya Muslim minority is there illegally, that they're actually they should they're they are from uh, Bangladesh and should be returned to Bangladesh. Obvious, you know, but. But there's been a lot of ethnic tensions that way. And the military junta has really cracked down in very, you know, very dramatic um, ways where they're burning down villages, killing children, you know, and this all comes out. But you begin to see they I think they do a good job of laying out how complicated this is because um, this uh, president dreamboat, he needs the military junta. He would not be president without the military junta. They're kind of allowing him to run the comp- a country, uh, but he so he can't, you know, he can't, uh, you know, totally reject their point of view. And as well, the Buddhists in the country, um, they reject the Rohingya as well. So there are a lot of ethnic and racial tensions going on here. Yes, he keeps saying it's very complicated and, you know, at least he's been elected democratically. So that's sort of the guise of a bright future as long as they look the other way on the, you know, hundreds of thousands right. of people being forced out of the country. Um, so Kat's not buying it. Kat, Kat Sandoval is not buying it. She goes down and demands uh, from poor Donna. I mean, Donna, Kat, Kat's going to eat her too. Okay. So Donna, the assistant secretary of state, East Asian and Pacific affairs. She's like, listen, let's just not rock the boat here. We have somebody in place that's really important for, you know, the symbol of democracy, if not actually democracy. And Kat, she wants a full report. She's just, 
She wants a full report. She wants it all. Yeah. Yeah. And certainly Bess is fired up about this, too. I mean, she, I I loved how she barged into the religious meeting. There was a Buddhist ceremony going on, and Bess just shows up and wants to talk to President Dreamboat and really get to the bottom of his point of view on the Rohingyas. And he just kind of shrugs his shoulders like, oh, sorry, busy, got to go. Talk to you later. See you at the Medal of Freedom ceremony. So. Okay, so Bess does not, as you know, does not take no for an answer, no. Leanne. No. So she storms right over to the White House, and what does she want right away? She's like, bring in the drones, Bring in right? the drones, yeah. Yeah, she, you know, she she fires up our Aunt Virginia, a.k.a. <laughs> a- the, um, the Secretary of Defense, yeah. right? She's back. We, we just call her Aunt Virginia because she looks a lot like our Aunt Virginia. Yeah. So Aunt Virginia, she's like, get some drones on that situation. We need to get some facts and we need to figure it out. So yeah. Beth is on it. She is not taking no for an answer. And uh, and President, acting President Hearst is going to she's going to take a pass on this and wait till Conrad comes back. But it appears Conrad's never coming back. So Russell's like, you should you should deal with this. So first they do the drones and then. And then, and they see that the country's basically been carpet bombed. That right. this is clearly right. state-sanctioned terror that's happening to these people. This is not some like, hey, voluntary relocation program that a hundred thousand people have decided to get up and leave. So, uh, so as if, <laughs> as if that would ever be true. Yeah. Okay, carry on, Lee. Yeah. Yes. So, so Bess goes for the soft. You know, she goes for the soft approach. She once again meets with President Dreamboat, and she's somehow secured these child drawings of, you know, the terror that happened in his village there in Burma, Myanmar. And um, she gives an impassioned speech about what you're doing now is creating the next generation of violent extremists. Uh, You know, you're all one people. You have to find a way to make this work. And, um, and, you know, he's, he's moved, but not really that moved because he wants that medal, doesn't he, Jewel? He does want that medal. He doesn't want to rock the boat. Yeah. And he feels like he can just, you know, he's been under house arrest for 10 years. He can wait a little longer. He's just, he, he's turning a blind's eye to genocide. Yeah. So. I thought a good line was, uh, you know, the staff said, the world thinks they elected a saint and what we got was a politician. Yes. Which is exactly yeah. what people have been yeah, saying. Yeah, I think that's Song what people Suchi. now. Yeah. Right. Exactly, Land. So, so the ladies decide that, to get some sorties in the air, you know? <laughs> yes. Yes. Secretary of State, she is like, and fires up on Virginia. Yeah, they yeah. are going in, like yeah. sorties, yeah. special ops, whatever it takes, she wants to stop it. You know, she, you know, she tries to get something going with the UN. The UN doesn't want to do anything. So, uh, so Bess is a one-man band there. She's, she just, she wants to stop it. Yeah. And of course, then she she goes she goes out to Camp David, where mm-hmm. uh, President Dalton is still recovering, right. hiding because yeah. he's just not ready to come he's back. Not ready? He's, not, he's just wandering around at Camp David, talking yes. to Christine in the rain. Yes, yeah. yes. She looks good though. She I does. Like, she looks okay, great. We'll get, we'll get to that. But, yeah. <laughs> so he's got cold feet. He just does not want to jump in. There is no easing into being president of the United States. But she is just hounding him to come on, get back yeah. in the saddle. We need you. You know. And he just really doesn't want to do it. Uh, but he shows up. Somehow she convinces him. And he shows up at President Dreamboat's hotel room and gives him sort of a presidential pep talk. Hey, for yeah. one first-time president, you know, I was a new president once, too. And the next thing you know, President Dreamboat 
is giving the speech of his lifetime under a Beatles song. So that is over a Beatles song. <laughs> I know. I mean, oh, that a speech could to really make yeah. a difference there. You yeah. know, it was very nice, you know, right. but at the same time, it just made me really sad. So I think maybe that was intended, you know, that, you know, that, but um, so anyway, I think to help you, the UNICEF, UNICEF and, uh, and the UN is a good thing to do. Yeah. Yes, oh. it is. Yes, it is. So then there was a message at the end about that, about helping, uh, sending donations or learning more by going to UNICEF. So yeah, it, it, you're right, Julie, if only a world, a, you know, generational world crisis could be solved in 60 minutes with an impassioned speech and hot air a balloons Beatle. and a Beatles yeah. song. But it was, yeah, it was, it was a nice moment. It was a nice moment. So we, we were discussing Conrad, President Dalton's backstory, and we start yeah. actually, we start the show. So remember he had the weird, the brain tumor, whatever he had. Right. And then, so, and then he was going to bomb, bomb Russia. He was going to bomb Russia because he had the ba- brain tumor. Yeah. Right. So, Leon, they start 10 years ago, right, in right. California. But this threw me off because uh, they were, att- I guess, attempting to make him look younger. But I thought he looked kind of older. I did, so too. When, they, <laughs> when yeah. it started, I was like, wait a minute. Is he supposed to be younger or older in this scene? Is yeah. This- is he going to be governor of California after he's a president? I was very confused by the black comb over toupee thing that yeah. they have. I don't know. I guess like I didn't realize he was from California. I, I didn't like I didn't get no. I didn't I hadn't realized that until this point. We see him on stage. He's got a big sign behind him. Uh, Dalton for California governor and. I was talking about how even if he loses, he's uh, he's committed to public service and that'll always be a huge part of him and everything like that. But yeah, that kind of threw me. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, it threw me. So, um, so, uh, but then we realize, oh, that's back in time. And we see, um, we hear, we see in his interactions, current day Russell, that he really has cold feet about stepping back into office and Russell then hints at like past incidents. So we, we know we're going to get that. He foreshadows this idea. Oh, we're going to see this kind of revelatory thing in Conrad's past. That's going to come forward and we're going to understand, uh, you know, his, his doubts. And so then he just goes to Camp uh, Camp David and wanders around. Uh, <laughs> in the rain. Yes. Okay. All right. Then we go back in time again where we see him preparing for a debate against, you know, super handsome California Governor Jack Dunn. And yeah. um, they're, you know, doing a sound check for a debate. And he makes what I think is a very odd Daffy Duck joke. I mean, that's... I thought that was a sign of his mental illness. I did actually. too. I did but too. This whole scene, I was very confused. Like, was he crazy 10 years ago or was it, I don't know. He was, I guess he was doing a mic check. Yeah, he was doing, yeah, he was doing a mic check. So we went into that Daffy Duck thing that I literally haven't heard in 40 years. Like, despicable. I'm Daffy Duck, I'm despicable. And that's something you used to say when you were 10 years old. I I just, I haven't heard that phrase since I was 10. And I thought that must've been an ad lib because I don't think any, how would the writers even recall that, that Daffy Duck joke? And then the, the... I didn't, I didn't, Julie, I thought he was losing it there too. I thought this was, I thought, oh, aha, see, he was, he was crazy then. Okay. But it turns out he gets a phone call, uh, and, oh, he's got to go. He's got to bail on the gubernatorial debate. The only debate, uh, for the, prior to the election. Yes. Yes. 
and um, we know no one's dying. We know that, but he's leaving. That's it. He's, you know, he's leaving the debate in the hands of, you know, incumbent and handsome California governor, Jack Dunn. So, um, and then we find out he's got a long lost brother who's been battling mental illness, disappeared from a hospital in Connecticut four years ago, and now has shown up somehow in Los Angeles. Uh, Beaten clearly has been living on the streets. And that's a very touching scene. But I have to say, I think he could have stayed at the debate, Julie. (laughs) Well, I I thought I was heartless, Leanne, because I was thinking the same thing. Well, I mean, the brother is... He's very heavily medicated. Yeah, he wasn't really, he wasn't like sitting up wandering. It no. wasn't like there weren't any medical decisions that needed to be made at that moment. So yeah. he you know, waited a couple of hours. Yeah. Right. right. So it would have been I, like five I, hours. I'm thinking that's really heartless of yeah. you, Julie. I mean, here is this long lost brother. Of course he wanted to go see him. Uh, and of course, he doesn't want to disclose to anyone else that he's, you know, that he has this brother, I guess. So, but I thought he could have squeezed in the I debate. think he could have squeezed it in. I, I, I just want you to know, Julie, should, should we be in the same situation? I would just go on with the show and then come see you in the hospital. I just, okay. yeah. Yeah. that would be fine with me. Thanks. That's yeah. good to know. I'll yeah. put that, I'll put that in my. So I guess this is this character revealing moment, though, that he cares so deeply about his brother. He doesn't make that public. He blows off the debate and he presumably loses the governor's race because of his mystery disappearance. And, you know, so Bess comes to talk to him at Camp David and he starts to go on and on about his brother. And her face was the same as mine. I was like, oh, my gosh, really? The brother? (laughs) I mean, I don't know. Yeah, she wanted she wanted him to get back into action. Yeah, but she was, but she could see he was still troubled by it. And, yes, you know. Yes. And I was still troubled because of the mic check. Like yeah. maybe he is crazy. It's you know, terrible. maybe quoting Fee Duck right before <laughs> right before you're given a big debate is not the the best thing. So, okay, so we'll give him a little time. Okay. So, um, but so then we do one more flashback scene where we meet Russell for the first time. <laughs> With with an even worse comb over. I was like, whoa, that was like brill cream on there. I don't know what they had done. But again, it didn't really make him look younger. No, no. It and made it, him just look creepier. Yeah. He looked like Michael J. Fox's dad in Back to the Future. Remember that like nerdy guy? And yeah, it was yeah. only supposed to be 10 years ago, really, because they had cell phones and everything. It wasn't like 100 years ago. And he looked like <laughs> he looked like yeah. he, he like walked over from the set of Hidden Figures and like <laughs> just started acting. Um, but yeah, it was like <laughs> circa 1950. I don't know. Some, I mean, I guess that I, I'm sure that's problematic because, you know, the, those two actors are both men that look their age. They look, you know, they, so yeah, they look old, which is good. Yeah. yeah. And so. so it's hard to, it's hard to younger up people, but <laughs> apparently, apparently it is uh, because they were doing a fine job with the women's hair on this show. The men's hair was a, was the situation. Um, so that we see this, this bond form almost immediately between Dalton and Russell, you know, okay. So he gave up the California governor's race. Russell knows why, because of course he's connected. He sees something, you know, and then once again, there's just, I thought an unpleasant come over line. I didn't, (laughs) Dalton is, I don't understand him. I don't, (laughs) 
Yeah. Like, yeah. like the Daffy Duck, like he, he makes a joke of Russell's hair. And I'm like, this guy I, has just basically said, you have potential. You just, you blew the California governor's race, but even though you're a spy and you're this and you're that, I feel like I, I can do something with you. And then he just makes a crossover. A yeah. yeah. I joke. mean, you wouldn't throw shade at that particular no. moment. I don't think so. No. Uh, but in the last scene, we do see this story resolves. We see President Dalton. He's ready to, to take back his role as president. He goes into the Oval Office. The brother shows up. It's clear they continue to have yeah, a relationship. Yeah, that was, sweet. That was, was nice. sweet. Bess yes. obviously knows the brother. Like, the brother's no longer in the shadows. That's a part of, of, of his story now. Yeah. So, uh, so we got that going on. Okay. And then the last story is the, just uh, the lifetime of sibling resentment. And we have, um, <laughs> we have Aunt Maureen, Kate Burton, who's yeah. like, I know we've said this before about Kate Burton, but this is the role she plays every time. She's embittered every time you see yeah. her, isn't she? It doesn't matter what movie. She, and she was perfect as the cranky so, aunt. Yeah, so she good. was excellent. She nailed it. She showed up. She nailed it. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. uh, the breakfast scene when they're out at a at a restaurant is just priceless. It was priceless. It was priceless. Yeah, I think we're going to need more time here. Yeah, so Aunt Maureen shows up from Pittsburgh. Uh, she's Henry's older sister, I believe. Yeah, yes. or maybe younger sister, older sister, older she's sister. sister. Yeah, and um, and uh, and Allison is the only child around this time, and she's surprised that Aunt Maureen wants to come to an art exhibit. That really doesn't seem like an art Maureen, an Aunt Maureen thing to do. And of course, it's Renoir and Allison, who's at art school and knows everything, is dismissive of Renoir because the paintings yeah, see, are just too beautiful, right? This, that, that's right on target because yeah. you, know, you send children to college and they come home and they're insufferable. Yeah. You know, they just they really can <laughs> barely tolerate uh, anyone of an older generation. Yeah. Yep. But Maureen arrives and appears she's really changed. She's willing to carry her own bag upstairs and eat takeout and be flexible and just excited to be there. And so there's there's a softening. But then things start to go bad because Henry just goads her. Henry has a lot of issues with his now departed father uh, that he's never resolved. And I would like to suggest some therapy for Henry. (laughs) I mean – Right. I, I think Maureen is just bearing the burden of being Henry's therapist. Like Maureen feels differently about her dad. Henry yeah. feels like their father held them all back. He was the only one that was able to go to college, but he had to join the Marines first. You know, he was Roxy and sort of make something of himself academically. And Maureen obviously harbors a lot of resentment that she never got to go to college because, as she said, Henry sucked up all the money, which, of course, right. wasn't true. Right. Yeah. So, uh, right. Turns out that Maureen's dad was lying to her, that Henry right. paid I mean, for he every dollar. he was playing the kids off each other. Yes. Right. Another classic p- parental move. Yes. Yeah. But they decide to really hash this all out at breakfast. <laughs> it was good. It was good. So. And they were obviously at some restaurant that Allison totally disapproved with because there was a great line where she said, whoa, I didn't know you could put cheese on this many things. And <laughs> she's looking at the menu. Yeah, <laughs> obviously, yeah. just lobbing some disdain <laughs> yeah. at uh, at the restaurant, her her situation, uh, you know, the Renoir exhibit, uh, you know, the mugs with the Renoir paintings on it, whatever it was. She she was doing a lot of judging. Yes. Yeah. And Henry called her on it, said, you know, please check that. But um, it didn't stop her. Uh, so um, so he said, yes, being sophisticated is actually engaging in a broad spectrum of cultural uh 
culture without judging. So, but she's like, oh, sorry, I'm not sophisticated. <laughs> That's good. I think I said that too to my mom and dad. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure we had that same conversation when I came back from my freshman year of college. Yeah. Um, pretty sure. So, uh, you know, at the end, they all end up playing cards. It seems like there's some water under the bridge. Who mm-hmm. knows? Maybe Aunt Maureen is going to go back to school now. It seems like she I really. Just, I just had some sense that she was going to have some disease when she showed up and yeah. she was not like the old Aunt Mo, you know, she, yeah. you know, yay, she'll go for takeout. Yeah. Like she was coming to bury oh, the house okay. because she has something. I thought she was sick. That's, that okay. was, that's where I thought it was going. So we'll have to watch that storyline. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe she'll be back. So, um, that's it. That, that wraps the storylines. Do you have anything for the binders full of blouses, Jill? Yes. There was one just totally dangerous blouse that I don't know how uh, best manages to wear it, but it has the one with the giant sleeves Mm. that sort of loop. I just don't know how she doesn't get like coffee stains, Mm. get that in like, you know, all, but she was wearing it and flapping it around as she was ordering. Ordering drones. So hats off for her because yeah. that was hard to wear. And wow. maybe, yeah, you know, it makes quite a statement. There was also a super duper nice necklace that she wore at the beginning. It's a big star necklace. Oh, yes. Uh, that, that is that very That was pretty. a winner, Liam. Yes, that that's a, a winner. winner. Yeah. 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 But yeah, other I, than that, I don't think... And then the bad hair on the men. I don't think there was much to um, to include in our binder of blouses this week. No, I thought the women's hair was good, though. I thought Bess's cut is looking great. I liked uh, acting President Hearst's cut. I thought she looked good. And, you know, Aunt Maureen, she looked great. So yeah. for, for Aunt Maureen, I thought she looked good. So there was what they were missing in the men's haircut, they were making up for in the women's. And Okay, uh, okay. So- yeah, that, that Russell, what the heck? And then again, it occurred to me like three quarters of the way through this episode, where is Jay's, where is Jay? Like he is still battling a childcare crisis. I, I know. I, I, he never, Jay should not do that because Kat, you know, she's just running all over she him. Is. She's going to take his job. Yeah, you know? she is. She is. So, uh, but Jay, we wish you the best of luck. Jay, we just want to recommend care.com. If you go there. <laughs> hey. That's right. You, you can go to care.com forward slash sisters and use the promo code sisters and uh, you're going to get 30% off your premium membership, Jay. It's the world's largest digital marketplace for in-house care. So you can find caregivers there, Jay. You can manage everything there at care.com. All right. Uh, this week on Satellite Sisters, we, we actually taped the show last week, did a little pre-recording because mm-hmm. I have my big State Department event this week yes, in Los you're, Angeles. Yes, you are talking with real state. I, I, and I, check I, it out to see if any of them have those blouses with the giant cuffs. I'm going to do it. Julie. Watch it at the luncheon because they'll do get it. salad dressing all over that. Yeah. It's a okay. dinner. We go a fancy dinner. It's oh, a dinner. Oh, okay. Well, then yeah. even more. Okay. Even yeah. more tr- tricky. Yeah. Yes, and we have one assistant secretary of state, a former assistant secretary of state, and a senior advisor coming, and yeah, and these wonderful women from all over the world who are working on issues like the Rohingya thing all over the world, working on human rights uh, issues all over the world. So that's on Thursday night in Los Angeles for me. So we pre-taped Satellite Sisters, and we had a wonderful interview with Karen Carbo, our Satellite Sisters radio book club pick is... Um, in praise of difficult women. Thank Liam, you, Julie. Right? <laughs> yes. And it's a great book. You know, Leon, I have, I've given it to someone and they love it as well. Yeah. So I highly recommend this if you're looking for a good book uh, to be inspired by 
great women, uh, this is a good one to get. That's right. Yeah. We, we have a chance to talk to her about a bunch of the women that she profiles in the book. She picked her 29 women. You can pick your 29 women, uh, (laughs) in praise of difficult women. It was, it was fun to talk to her. That's at satellite sisters. And you can find that everywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, we, anything else going on this week, Jewel? No, I think not, Leanna. We have another episode of Madam Secretary coming up on Sunday. Okay. So that, uh, that you just uh, you better set your DVR. Okay. So. I, should, I should be recovered. Yeah, I should be recovered from our big event. So, whew. Okay. I hope I can make it through. Okay, just it. remember, Bess is a fictional Secretary of State. Okay. Just keep it straight, the worlds, okay? This, there is a lot of protocol. I will say I that. I, There's okay. a lot but of protocol. Keep your, keep your world straight. I know. Dude, this is MSEC. This is not really. This is talk TV. Okay. And then you have your Women of Courage Awards. That That's right. Is the deal. Okay. okay. Those are the real, those are the real deal. They're the real deal. All right. We're the Satellite Sisters. Don't forget, call your Satellite Sister. <laughs>